We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. It is Monday, March 28th, 2022, coming to you live from Eugene, Oregon. A bit of a cloudy day, uh, but it's been kind of warm lately. Uh, It seems like we're definitely getting towards that uh, spring weather and uh, football is going to be in the air tomorrow with the resumption of spring football practice. We're doing kind of a, a little bit of a broad episode today. We're we're here to talk Oregon football and football recruiting. You know how we get down on the Ducks Dish podcast. We love to hit on both of those. And if you guys are watching live on YouTube, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to talk some Ducks with us. Definitely head on over to that live chat section. Throw some questions or comments my way. Definitely want to interact with you guys and see what's on your mind as Dan Lane and the Ducks get ready to resume practice tomorrow with some of the early enrollees that I just discussed yesterday. Uh, or maybe that was two days ago, but those guys are getting here. So that's some cause for excitement as well. And if you guys are on YouTube watching the replay, leave me a comment and let me know how you're feeling on this video about Oregon football and just about football getting back underway here in Eugene for the spring. Feels like it's been forever. And I think it's kind of going to be a little bit of a, a Christmas in March kind of a vibe. So first topic that we want to hit on today is related to quarterback recruiting. That is 2023 quarterback Jaden Rashada. He has announced that he will be back in Eugene for another visit to Oregon. And it's coming on the biggest weekend in the entire month of April, right? That is the spring football game. So he was out at out in Dallas over the weekend at Battle Dallas 7-on-7, and the dude was just absolutely blowing people away. Uh, I was watching some of the highlights that my work colleague, John Garcia, shared with me. The dude just, he really had a lot of good touch on a lot of his passes. You know, he he had the deep ball, he had the short and intermediate route, and you could tell that guys were excited to play for him, uh, play with him, rather. So we got to talk a little bit about Rashada, and we're going to get into some some of the quotes that we got from him talking ducks so let me get some highlights here on the screen and then uh let's see <laughs> okay i got a funny comment here i had to hit off right of the way he said great haircut bro you look 100 you look better than 99 percent of these so-called influencers thank you so much i appreciate the comment 100 true <laughs> um but yeah let's get back to rashada 
this is a, you know, a visitor that the Ducks needed to get on campus for a while. Uh, we've said that Oregon's been in a great spot for quite some time in this recruitment. We kind of knew that it was Rashada and Nico that were right up there at the top of Oregon's big board as far as quarterback recruiting goes. But getting him back on campus is going to be huge since he's someone who is looking to take those official visits in the spring. Um, as of right now, it doesn't sound like that trip out to Eugene in April is going to be an official visit. So um, that's just another another note to pass along. So he doesn't sound like he's super close to a decision, but he didn't rule out that one could come kind of at any time. It really seems like it's up in the air. Uh, he was saying, I'm taking my time with it. I'm just seeing where I'm a priority to where the best situation for me and my family is for me to try to change people's lives, to win a natty, to win a Heisman. And there was another one, another one that he had here. So I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. Let me, let me see if I can find it. All right. Bear with me here. Um, come on. Just looking through this to saying what he had to say about a commitment. Okay, he said, I can't rush commitment. I'm thinking anywhere from tomorrow to signing day. I really don't know. I'd like to know where I'm going before the season starts, but if not, I'll take it to signing day. So that, that kind of gives you a little bit of an update on, on where Rashada is, is at right now with this whole recruiting process. Uh, it's it's a little tricky for Oregon because you, you want to get um, – uh, let's see. Okay, okay. Um, Sorry, I get keep getting distracted by the the comments. So I got to lock in here for a second. But yeah, the, the timeline is a little trickier, I guess, lack of a timeline, seeing that the Ducks want to get a quarterback locked in pretty early. We all know how important that is to, to serve as the foundation of a class. So getting him on campus is definitely a step in the right direction. And it does sound like he has a couple other visits planned. So or that he's you know, in the works for right now. So I wanted to get to a couple other notes on... Rashada and his interest in the Ducks. So just give me a second here. Got all these windows in the way. Sorry about that. All right, let's see here. So, yeah, we see. So his strongest relationship on the Oregon staff is Kenny Dillingham. Not a huge surprise there, seeing that Dillingham is the OC and quarterbacks coach. But in his most recent interview with John Garcia of SIL American, he also cited Carlos Lachlan and the defensive staff as you know, people he has a relationship with. So it's good to see multiple staffers really, really sinking their teeth into this recruitment. And, and that's going to be important for, for Oregon to get Rashada and to, to win a recruitment that's as heavily contested as this one. Uh, we talked about some of the other schools that are involved here. Miami is definitely being one of the, the biggest ones. Mario Cristobal, the former Oregon head coach, is involved there. So is Josh Gaddis, the new OC out there in Coral Gables, and Frank Ponce, Ponce. Um, he's the, the quarterback's coach for the Hurricanes. And in the that update that I referenced with, with John, he was talking about uh, trying to get back out to Miami. So he had a lot of good things to say about Miami and, and just about the setting and how that's kind of like California. So you can see some similarities. I've never been to Florida myself. I've only flown through Miami, so I, I can't personally comment on that. But we know that Miami is definitely a big player in this recruitment. And another other big player is Ole Miss. And it's not too hard to figure out why that's the case, seeing that Lane Kiffin has had a, a pretty strong track record developing top-tier quarterbacks. Matt Corral was another California quarterback after playing at Long Beach Poly. And there's another high-profile quarterback coming in now with Jackson Dart after transferring from USC. He's from Utah, but 
he's he's still a, a great quarterback, and I'm excited to see what he can do playing for the Rebels. But it looks like another visit is he's working on setting up another visit out to Ole Miss. So those are some schools to, to keep an eye on. But as far as so those are kind of the main three that we're looking at right now. I've also talked about BYU being a little bit of a player in this recruitment since his brother, Roman Rashada, is committed there. He's a JUCO defensive back, so we know that family is is obviously a big player in the recruiting game. And a couple other schools from the SEC are also kind of starting to lurk in this recruitment, those two schools being Arkansas and LSU. We know that LSU just got Jaden Daniels, so that quarterback room is is kind of loaded with, with a lot of talented names. I think Arkansas is, is kind of a sleeper program, seeing that they kind of get written off, I think. But Sam Pittman's doing a really good job out there in Fayetteville and then Cal, the other PAC 12 school that's in the running here. Uh, I don't, I don't think that UW is much of a threat at all for the ducks right now. And in, in this battle for, for Jaden Rashada, but Cal seeing that he's from the East Bay, they're going to, they're going to be someone that's kind of going to be there and, until the very end is kind of my anticipation there. My thoughts there. So yeah, we got to see what happens with, with Rashada, but getting him back on campus is certainly a significant update. We saw that, that Dante Moore is another top quarterback, and, and he was on um, he was on Notre Dame's campus today. So getting him for the spring game, it's going to be April 22nd through April 24th. That's definitely a super significant chunk of time. And like I said, I think it's notable that it is not an official visit at this time. So that's definitely a good update for the Ducks. All right, let's see what else. I saw there was a, a live comment, so let me – let me see if I can bring that up real quick. Um, okay, hold on. All right, so we have someone new that we want to talk about here after Rashada. It's just me today, guys, so uh, I might need a little bit of time to hop between topics and um, to also, you know, just take a take a little sip every now and then. I got a, I got my spin drift. I've been if you've been watching the channel, you've been seeing these. I've been drinking these for a little minute. Um, but not a sponsor for the show. Let's see if you, let me know your guys' thoughts on, uh, on, uh, these, these, uh, carbonated waters. All right. In all seriousness though, let's talk about our next guy. And that is 2024 St. John Bosco safety, Peyton Woodyard. Peyton Woodyard is one of the, one of the best players in the country. Certainly one of the best players in California. And he's going to be coming out to Eugene next week. I had a full written update on him uh, over on Ducks Digest. So you guys can definitely check that one out. But got some highlights on the screen here so we can see kind of what, what the Ducks are looking at and, uh, you know, kind of turning up their uh, their pursuit of him. But like I said, he's a 2024 guy. So we don't, we don't see too many guys that are that early in the process committing super early, but it, it does happen. So just to get people up to speed on Peyton Woodyard and what he's been up to on the recruiting trail, he's taken some recent visits to USC. He was just there this weekend for their uh, elite prospect or junior day. No, it must have been elite prospect day because he's only a 2024 guy. Uh, and then he also took a trip out to Texas, LSU, Texas A&M. I'll tell you guys that this guy's going to have every school in the country, you know, coming after him when his recruitment really heats up. So he's saying he was telling me that it's it's starting to pick up some steam. But the Ducks are doing a good part, a good job in their part by getting them out to Oregon on April 8th. He's coming for the whole weekend, and he's going to be coming with his teammate, safety, Ty Lee. Ty Lee's a 2023 guy, but I also talked to him, and you can find that update over there on 
Ducks Digest as well. That's a recent update that we dropped. Let's see. As for the relationships that that uh, that Peyton Woodyard has with the Oregon staff, there's a couple guys that are in the picture here. Uh, Colin Lockett, the offensive analyst working with wide receivers, Matt Pallage, and then all the way up to head coach Dan Lanning. So anytime you have the head coach getting directly involved in a recruitment, I think that's definitely a good sign. That's something that we saw Mario Cristobal do a whole lot when he was here at Oregon, and we saw that we saw the the impact that that had in Oregon landing a lot of top rated guys. But the the interesting note here with Colin Lockett is that he went to Bosco as well. So I didn't even know that until I, I talked to to Peyton Woodyard during our interview, and, and he was saying that you know Lock, Lockett went to Bosco. So. It kind of just made me take a step back for a second and, and look at the the decisions that uh, the decisions that Lanny was making when he was building out this staff. You got to try to find guys that are connected to different parts of the country, and Lanny knows how important recruiting Southern California is going to be. So getting someone who has those ties to St. John Bosco is is only going to help Oregon not only with their pursuit of Woodyard, but the other elite players that are going to be coming out of that school for years to come. What else do we see if we have anything else that we wanted to add here? So when, when you see Woodyard on tape, I think what, what really stands out is, is the fact that he's just a, a hard hitter and he, he's a playmaker. He played on varsity as a sophomore, which I think is super notable in the Trinity League, which is one of, if not the toughest league in all of high school football and in, in the country. And I think he's got great ball skills and he's really good at coming in and helping over the top, something that you want out of your safety. But he's just someone who's really fun to watch on a film. You can see there he's super physical, t- physical tackler. And St. John Bosco plays a national schedule. Uh, I think another thing that really helps their guys get developed at a, at a high rate, they, they played Central High School last year, which is a high school out of Miami, and they just beat the heck out of them. Really wasn't even close. And, and, they, and I know that uh, – from some of the coaches I talked to over there that Miami was, was talking a whole lot leading up to and during that game. But, but St. John Bosco came in and took care of business. Um, so yeah, Peyton Woodyard's a guy to, to keep an eye on. As far as his visit itinerary, he's coming out to Oregon on April 8th, like I mentioned, but he also has some other trips coming up and he's looking to get out to Michigan, Ohio state and Notre Dame. I mentioned how USC was a player to watch here for sure. In this recruitment, I think that just Lincoln Riley being at Southern California, he's going to make it a lot harder for these guys to, to leave the Southern California area. Uh, I don't think that UCLA is going to be much of a contender on the recruiting trail. They'll get a couple guys here and there, but I'm sure that Lincoln Riley is going to be able to kind of get the guys that he wants, unless Oregon and some of these other you know, really high-profile programs come in and, and battle him against USC. But Woodyard was telling me that he really thinks that Riley has some big things in store and, and that the energy is just kind of different at USC now that he's taken over. And another school that you really got to keep an eye on in this recruitment is Notre Dame. Why Notre Dame? Because his cousin, Kyle Hamilton, just wrapped up a very successful college career there at Notre Dame. He's going to be uh, going to the NFL and he's a safety, so he can really give him an inside look into the program. He was telling me that that Hamilton was just telling him, you know, nothing but good things. And, and I'm sure he's keeping it super real with him about what, what the program looks like down there, uh, out there in South Bend rather. So Oregon's in a great spot. Another reason I think Oregon's in a good spot here is because Woodyard was telling me that some of the Bosco coaches have actually come up to Eugene 
just to kind of just to kind of learn from just kind of learn from the Oregon coaches and the fact that they they have a little bit of overlap in their scheme and that's another thing I'm excited to see probably won't see too much until the spring game but just seeing what the scheme looks like for this new Oregon defense under Dan Lanning so that's all I had for for Peyton Woodyard but we had uh some more people that I wanted to talk about in this one, and we're getting some of the some comments and questions. So just wanted to get those up. Uh, exploring with Ben and Sam says everyone support the show, like the video, appreciate it. Definitely smash the like button and subscribe to the channel if you aren't already. Mikey G, what's going on, Mikey G? Mikey G asks, what are your thoughts on Jaden Wayne? Interest level seems we need him or someone like him very soon. Yeah, with, with Jaden, I think he's definitely got some serious interest in Oregon. That guy's been taking trips all over the place. Uh, he's definitely a super high-profile guy that you don't really see super often coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Obviously, we just saw JT Tuimaloau, and it seems like with the way that his recruitment has developed that he's going to be garnering that same level of buzz with all the trips that he's been able to take recently. He's got He's gone everywhere, it seems like, in the country. He's, he's gone out to Alabama obviously been to Oregon numerous times. Uh, his, his um, seven on seven team was, was actually out in, in Norman uh, not too long ago. I want to say the weekend before last, but he wanted to see Oklahoma and, and there were kind of just some things that didn't work out. It was kind of a weird deal, but they weren't able to see Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's involved there. I know he made it out to Washington this past weekend. So Kalen DeBoer's trying to I'm, I'm assuming he has some pretty significant ground to make up after getting brought on there and, and just not having the best situation from a recruiting standpoint. They haven't been recruiting at a high level, certainly not against Oregon and these other Pac-12 schools, but they're definitely going to give them the shot, seeing that they have that talent in their backyard. Another Ford uh, you know, FSP guy, Caleb Presley, uh, has been taking you know, some, of those, some of those trips uh, alongside Wayne. But I think, yeah, he's got, he's got serious interest in Oregon, without a doubt. Um, and I think that they do need to, to get someone like him. I, I think that the Ducks, as far as defense goes, I'd say some of the, one of their top priorities has to be Jaden Wayne. I'd say him and Mateo Uyunglele. Mateo, Mateo was out at USC this past weekend again. So just kind of goes back to what I was saying about Lincoln Riley and USC getting some of those guys back on campus at a more frequent pace. But I think Oregon ideal scenario, you can get both Mateo and Jaden Wayne. But I think that they are probably in the position to at least get one of them, given the, the longstanding relationships that they have with both of them. So I, I'd say that the Ducks are in a great spot with Jaden Wayne, just from the conversations that I've had with him. Uh, that's certainly a guy that Lane's prioritizing, Tosh is prioritizing. I know that, that, uh, that Wayne likes the, the NFL experience that Tosh LePoy has and just the, the long – the long run of history that he has just run, playing with some really high level guys uh, under him and his defense. All right. So yeah, if you guys have any more questions or comments, definitely feel free to, to hop in the chat and throw them my way. I'll do my best to, to answer them. Let's see who we have up next. Getting the, the highlights up here. All right, next guy we're talking about is 2023 running back Dante Dowdle out of Picayune High School in Mississippi. 
he's going to be coming out to Oregon this weekend, actually, is, is what it's looking like for a, a trip to see the Ducks. And these guys out of the, the Southeast are always super interesting. I think if you've been following Oregon for a while, you know that the Ducks got Trey Benson out of Mississippi. Kind of a similar deal here. He's a bigger back with with Dowdle. He's listed at 6'2", 210. So he's definitely got that bigger back size. And I think with with the way that Oregon's running back room is kind of taking shape, I think that it makes sense to go after a big body. I don't know if they're going to take two backs necessarily in this cycle. I think Oregon's definitely in a good spot with Roderick Robinson out of Lincoln High School out there in San Diego. You got to think about how Oregon has Byron Carwell already on the roster. That's another San Diego guy. So those two guys teaming up in the backfield will be pretty nasty. But just from what I was talking about with, with Oregon's running back room now, it's like they have Car they have Carwell, who's obviously a much bigger back. Sean Dollars, I think, is, is kind of a, a little bit of a tweener just because he was coming out of high school as an all-purpose back, and we really haven't seen much of him at Oregon. Uh, Seven McGee, we don't know how he's going to be utilized too much as of right now, seeing that he opened spring football listed as a wide receiver. But Noah Whittington is going to be out here uh, as an early enrollee. I dropped that a couple days ago uh, over on Ducks Digest, uh, just some insider stuff about who's going to be here. But Noah Whittington was listed at 5'10", 190 on the Western Kentucky roster last last year. So I think that he's someone that uh, I think it's just going to be interesting to see what kind of guy – what kind of guy, uh, sorry, what what kind of role he has in, in this Oregon offense and then what kind of a system are the Ducks going to use this year? Are they going to have a, a 1A, 1B? Are they going to rotate a bunch of different guys in? But either way, I think that it's it's hard to throw on the film with, with Dowdle and, and not be pretty intrigued by him. I feel like it's just run after run. It's just home run, home run, home run, you know, 40 yards, 50 yards, sometimes even longer. The guy's definitely got some some great vision. Obviously, a lot of strength. These guys are, are having a pretty tough time bringing him down. Uh, when I was talking about Jordan James, I kind of get a little bit, uh, a little bit reminded of of him just with with Dante, just because of the the way he runs. He he runs super super tough. You can see how he's swinging his arm, uh, kind of like a rugged running style. But he's got a guy you have to keep an eye on for sure uh, with the Ducks in this class. A couple other running backs, uh, you know, Eric Young out of Lehigh Acres, Florida. He's going to be here for the spring game. He's a five-star caliber running back. And then the Ducks also recently got put in the top schools for Jaden Lemar, another local-ish guy out of the Pacific Northwest, Lake Stevens High School out there in Washington. But let's get into some specifics with, with Dowdle. I'm actually going to have a written story uh, from my interview with him up on Ducks Digest pretty soon. So if, uh, if you guys want to read that definitely feel free to do that he's been he's been booming on the recruiting trail lately a lot of schools are, are coming in to to offer him of late and he's been able to take recent trips to Florida State and Georgia Tech and Florida State's got to feel good about what, where they are with him but the the kind of the good thing for Oregon here and, and what's driving this relationship forward is is Carlos Lachlan when I was talking to Dante he was telling me how he really likes Lachlan's story, the walk-on coach. If you guys have been following the new Oregon staff, you've definitely heard about that storyline. And he was telling me that he thinks that Lachlan can really set him up for success and, and, and put him in a position to do well. He told me he wants to win the Heisman uh, at the college that he goes to. And, and you got to make sure that you're around the right people to, to make that happen. 
But here was the interesting thing. When I asked him, uh, when I asked him what his decision timeline was looking like and, and if he had any idea of he was going to be dropping some top schools soon, he, he told me that Oregon's top five. So it, this is a guy with clear legitimate interest in Oregon. He has 23 reported offers. So you can tell his stock is just going to keep going up on the recruiting trail like I talked about off the top here. But I want to see what some of the other offers he's been he's been reeling in. Just kind of give you guys a picture of, you know, what his recruiting boom actually looked like. He, I think he was at the Rivals camp in New Orleans this past weekend. So he, he had a really good showing out there. Let's see some of these other offers that are coming in. He got offered by South Carolina earlier this month. Uh, Louisville is someone that's on him as well. Um, let's see, Arkansas. He got offered by Arkansas at the beginning of the month. Let's see, got to spend some time with Lane Kiffin earlier in the month of March as well. So he's someone who just keeps seeing that stock rise. And let's see what some of these other schools are that are uh, from what we talked about in our interview. Uh, Oregon's definitely turning up the heat on him. He listed Oregon as one of numerous schools that are recruiting him the hardest. Other schools in that conversation are Ole Miss. You know that if there's a quality running back in the state of Mississippi, Ole Miss is going to be in the mix there. Uh, Arkansas, who recently offered, like I mentioned, Tennessee and Florida State. So he's going to be looking for a couple things when he comes out here on on that visit to Oregon. He's going to be looking to see how he is how he fits in the offense and, and, you know, if he's, if he's a priority is, is what he was telling me when we were talking. And I think that this is someone that the ducks definitely have to keep an eye on and fans should definitely familiarize themselves with. Like we've seen a bunch of different times, Oregon really hasn't gotten into the Southeast super prevalently of late. Uh, we saw that happening under the last staff, but after the coaching transition, they really kind of lost some of their foothold down there in the Southeast but this is a guy that has legitimate interest in Oregon and he's a running back and he's coming on to campus. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm always reminded of. Someone can say they're interested in Oregon, but until they make that visit and show that they have that legitimate interest, it's a little bit tough to see them uh, becoming a duck and, and kind of how, how that would unfold in, in a recruitment. But we know he'll be here at Oregon in Eugene pretty soon, but a couple other trips that he was telling me he's looking at to take are Arkansas and Florida and then he's maybe looking to get out to Tennessee and Louisville, just kind of asked to see how things work out with his schedule. So Dante Dowdle, definitely keep an eye on him. He's just running over guys left and right. He's not easy to bring down. And I, I think he would be a, a solid addition for the Ducks. But like I said, I think they're in a great spot with Roderick Robinson. And they got to see what what uh, what happens from, you know, from that commitment, what he ends up doing. The Ducks just recently landed in Robinson's top schools. So that's a positive update for them, but obviously nothing's said and done until someone signs on a line. And, and I know that the ducks are vying hard for, for Roderick Robinson out of San Diego. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Getting a couple questions here, so we're going to try to tackle some of these. All right, what do we have? Come on. All right, Gary had a question. Um, all right, Gary's question. What? Uh, no, sorry, that wasn't the one I wanted to click on. What about cornerback Tony Mitchell? Yeah, that was another piece of news that we got today for Oregon recruiting. That is five-star Thompson High School cornerback Tony Mitchell, including Oregon in his top five schools. Uh, Pretty sure I remember the other ones, but I just want to make sure I look it up so I'm getting that accurately. All right, let's see. All right, so top five schools for Tony Mitchell. We got Florida, Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama, and Oregon. So the Ducks made the last cut that Mitchell uh, made in his recruitment, the top seven, I believe it was. But the thing that's kind of tricky here is that I don't believe he's been out to Oregon just yet. So, again, we see that that visit, definitely something to keep an eye on if he's actually going to get out here. I think it's going to be a huge battle, obviously, with Alabama. Anytime you have a top-tier top guy in the state of Alabama, you know, the Nick Saban and the Tide are going to make it hard for, for him to uh, end up at any other school. But Texas A&M has obviously been recruiting at a super, super high level. Uh, Florida – that recruiting has been pretty underwhelming in recent years out there in Gainesville, but Billy Napier looks like he's changing that around a little bit. And then Georgia, fresh off a national championship, you know, they're going to have that and and uh, and some guys go into the NFL draft to bolster their stock. But Tosh Lapoy obviously has some ties down there with his time in Tuscaloosa. Jake Long coming over from that Alabama staff last year. That'll probably be something that comes into play here. And then Demetrius Martin, has been lauded as a recruiter as well. So uh, kind of like we see with some of the other guys, like I said, with, with Dante, probably not the same as Dante because uh, Dante is actually going to be out here pretty soon. If the Ducks can get him on campus, I think they should have a good shot, but not someone that I've talked to. So hopefully I can, can dig up a little bit more there on, um, on him. Okay. Let's see. Got a question from Joseph. Joseph said, hey, Max, with a flood of USC crystal balls for Connerly Jr., who does Oregon pivot to, if true, expecting to lose some veteran guys on the line after this season? 
that was another that was another big update that we got today. Uh, I think it was Brandon Huffman that was that was talking about the that crystal ball. Brandon Huffman is the guy who crystal balled Connerly to USC. That was a huge visit over the weekend for for Connerly, right? He's announcing his commitment April eighth. So the Ducks and the Trojans looks like they got the last two visits for Connerly. Just to talk a little bit about kind of what I think on this situation. It's you know you see the crystal balls and and that can sometimes indicate it. It's not always accurate, but Huffman's definitely a really reputable guy, and that's that's a guy from his neck of the woods out in Washington. So I think with the timing of the visit, with playing for an offensive mind like Lincoln Riley, I think that's just some of the factors that come into play here. You know, Oregon's been recruiting the state of Washington pretty well in years past, but I think that this is kind of one of those situations where you have a recruit and you can sell them on playing for Lincoln Riley and that offense being part of the, the class that kind of restores USC to its former glory. I'm sure they're saying this to every recruit that comes by. And then you also have, okay, you can play for Dan Lanning and the Dan Lanning defense. So if this were a defensive player, I think that I would be thinking a little bit differently. Uh, but it really does look like all signs are pointing to USC, as you would obviously guess with the crystal ball. Uh, I just saw a lot of pictures with that whole staff or tons of members of that staff with Connerly. So I know that they really, it looks like they really pulled out the red carpet there. But as for the second part of this one, who does Oregon pivot to if true? I don't think there's a ton of offensive linemen really left on the board that um, I don't think that there's a ton of offensive linemen left on the board in 2022 that I would necessarily say, see Oregon pivoting to. I think that is, you see a development like this and you're, you're happy that, that Michael Wooten is getting on campus early from the 2022 signing class. I'm not really sure that there's too many guys that come to mind for Oregon to pivot to in the 2022 recruiting rankings 2022 recruiting cycle is seeing that so many of those guys have already signed with their schools. Some of them are already arrived on campus as early enrollees. Um, and I think that Oregon has really kind of picked its battles in the transfer portal for a couple, for the guys that they've brought in, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know if you necessarily need somebody in 2022, if Connerly does end up going to USC, I think that it's gotta be a priority in 2023, seeing that the ducks are losing a couple guys from this uh, up, this upcoming season with so many vets coming back and they're going to need to fill in that uh, that left tackle spot that George Moore vacated. But that's kind of my two cents on that as far as what would happen with Oregon if Connerly were to go to USC. Again, that is an April 8th uh, announcement to keep an eye on for him. Okay, let's see. All right, one more guy to uh, keep an eye on on the recruiting trail is 2023 linebacker Trey Edwards from Modern Day Catholic out there in Chula Vista, California in the in the San Diego area. Let me see if I can – I'm going to look for his highlights here real quick. I wanted to pull those up, but I, I ran out of time before the, before the show started. So bear with me, folks. All right, so don't have as much to talk about with, with Trey Edwards, but he is a dude for sure. Uh, just 
definitely a name to familiarize yourself with since Oregon's been working out in Southern California quite a bit. And the Ducks also have a couple of guys from modern day Catholic on the roster. Well, CJ Verdell is going to be going to the NFL draft, but he's a guy who went to modern day Catholic. And then Darren Barkins is, is another guy to keep an eye on out of, out of um, you know, the San Diego area. But as far as Trey Edwards, I really like how he plays. He plays super physical, very downhill man in the middle. I think he's someone that you can see the high, the, the high level upside with his athleticism and the potential to move him around a little bit. But I really like the way he reads plays. He seems to be in the play in the right place at the right time. And getting him up here is going to be big. Uh, when we were talking, he was talking to me about the relationship he has with, with, um, uh, with coach Jake, Jake Long, uh, the, the new linebackers coach. So he's coming up for a visit on April 15th. And then I believe he announced uh, one other trip that I wanted to mention. So let me see if I can pull that up so I can confirm it here. He's going to be in Cal this, uh, this next weekend. So it looks like it's a lot of, uh, a lot of PAC 12 attention right now for, for Trey Edwards to give you an idea of his standing as a recruit. Um, 247 Sports, the, their composite has him rated as a four-star, 0.9374, number 150 prospect in the country, number 10 linebacker, and number 12 prospect in California. There's one crystal ball in on him, and that crystal ball is to USC, but that was placed over a year ago, so we know how much things can change in a short amount of time. Let's see here. So, yeah, just a really quick hitter there on Trey Edwards. I'm probably going to have an update on Ducks Digest uh, out on him tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, all right, Mike G. I think having Rashadi here during the spring game will be huge. It's going to be a great atmosphere this year. No doubt. I think the we don't even know the full list of football alum that are coming back. We we heard that Michael James, D'Anthony Thomas, Haloti Nada, and Eric Armstead are all going to be here. Uh, it's going to be a really cool element. I'm curious to see what that look, what that kind of looks like with them serving as honorary coaches. Uh, are they going to be able to call plays? Probably not. I think that's probably a little bit unrealistic, but but that'd be good. Um, so the, the, the atmosphere is going to be something super exciting to look forward to, seeing that they haven't had a spring game in a couple of years, and the, the Duck fans are ready to get back into Autzen and, and certainly to show these recruits Many of these guys in the 2023 class, the first full cycle of the Dan Landing era, show these recruits, hey, this is what it's like in Eugene. This is what it's like in Autzen. You want to come here because you have a whole town that's behind you, and we can get the the stadium rocking even for a spring game. So totally agree with this comment, and I think it's awesome that, that they're getting Rashada here when they are. Gerard, Gerard says, I would choose Rashada over Nico. Both are skinny five stars, but Nico looks like he weighs less than 100 pounds. Yeah, I th- yeah. So Nico is six six, two hundred pounds, and then I think Rashada is six four, one ninety five. So you're you're definitely you're spot on with them both being skinny guys, and they both have room to to build out and, and add to their frames. I think the the thing with Rashada that I really like is the just those passes that I saw from him over this past weekend out there in Dallas, uh, that competition brought some of the top talent from across the country. And I, I felt like just after that event ended, just 
tweet after tweet on my timeline was just flooded with like Jaden Rashad. just blew me away. He was one of the top performers. I know that on three had him as their top performer from, from battle Dallas. So uh, I, th- I think that the staff, it, it's pretty clear to say that the staff, uh, you know, it was kind of a one, a one B situation, but I think Nico was their priority target at quarterback. But um, yeah, I think getting a guy like Rashada to Oregon would, would be huge. I think it's just interesting to see what their quarterback picture is going to look like, regardless of who they get in the 2023 class, because we obviously have to see who wins the quarterback battle for this upcoming season. But Bo Nix has two years of eligibility. And then what, what's going to happen with the quarterbacks on the roster? Uh, I think kind of regardless of who wins the job, you could, it's not far-fetched to see that somebody could end up transferring. Um, but, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. It'd be great to have all those guys on the roster moving forward. Okay. So... Yeah, I wanted to shift a little bit now to spring football since spring football gets going again. If you guys have any comments or questions on recruiting, definitely still feel free to throw those at me. Uh, But I just had a couple more things that I had already typed up that I wanted to hit on here in this episode. I think one thing, so just kind of what am I going to be looking for tomorrow? Because you guys, if you uh, watched some of the the earlier podcasts from a couple weeks ago, I, I wasn't in Eugene at the start of spring football um, unfortunately, uh, my vacation lined up just a little bit before that, before the dates were announced. So not much I do there, but I'm going to be looking, one of the first things I'm going to be looking for is how do these early enrollees look? I think a big batch of the early enrollees last year, they looked like they came to Eugene college ready. And we're going to have to see if that's the case with some other people that are showing up this week and getting their first taste of Oregon football tomorrow. There were a couple of pictures that were actually posted on Twitter that we could show that I could bring up here of the, the early enrollees. All right. This is a uh, coming from Tony Washington. Who's on the staff at Oregon tweeting out, got a new faces, got a few new faces around here. Welcome to the flock. First day out, go ducks. So you can see this cool picture here. You can see Chase Coda, the UCLA transfer wide receiver. It looks like that's Justice Lowe over there. Uh, we got Lanning talking to Chase. Chase looks really happy. And Marshall Malko, I think that's who we got over here on this side. Um, let's see here. You got Jaleel Florence over here and hanging out with Tosh. Um, I don't see any other recruits in, in this picture, but, you know, Cool to see the, the families getting a, a warm welcome here in Eugene. And then you see Kenny Farr there getting getting a, a player fitted with with the new helmet. And then you got Jaleel Florence there uh, juxtaposed with the Rose Bowl trophy uh, from a couple years ago. Well, I, I can't tell what year that one's from, but that's the one that they were most recently in. So you can tell Jaleel Florence is, is, ready, to, is ready to work without a doubt. Um, all right, we got another, we got a comment here from Tanner R. Something interesting to follow is Demion Robinson from Maryland just entered the portal. Thornton is tweeting at him. Yeah, let's see what we can, let's see what we can find. I I hadn't heard about him until today. So I'm going to look him up and see what we have there. All 
All right. Yeah. Demian Robinson. Let me share my screen here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let me just read this. First off, I'd like to thank the University of Maryland's coaches and staff endlessly for their genuine support, guidance, and opportunities this past year. I've had such a deep appreciation for everything that everyone that has been done for me. It has been a pleasure playing for this program and working with such great leaders. After discussing it with my family, praying on it, and following my heart, I've decided to enter the transfer portal. I look forward to the future and what's to come. I excite, I'm excited for more opportunities to become a better man, teammate, and player. All right, let's see what he was like as a, as a recruit because I had not heard of him. So he was at Maryland, obviously. He was in the class of 2021, so he's still super early in the process. Um, really highly rated guy, four-star, .9698. Let's see if he had an Oregon offer coming out of coming out of high school. Did have an Oregon offer coming out of high school. Yeah, it's it's hard to think of a better peer recruiter for any team to have than, than Dante. He's super enthusiastic, and I love his energy out there at practice. It's interesting that he plays the edge position because I think that Oregon could use some help there. Obviously they missed out on, they missed out on Mitchell Agude last week when he announced his commitment to Miami. So the Ducks definitely need some help on the edge as an, for an edge rusher. Makai Overton and LT Overton are two guys that have been on Oregon's radar for a bit, but since the time that they visited Oregon, they've taken trips out to Texas A&M and Georgia so I kind of feel like my any confidence that I had in them going to Oregon is fading a little bit. I'd love to be proved wrong, but uh, it seems like Robinson could be someone to watch for coming out of the portal. Let me see if I can find him on, on Maryland's website just to see what more we can learn about him. All right. All right, yeah, Tanner beat me to some of it here in the comments, but as a freshman in 2021, appeared in all 13 games with one start, 19 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, three solo tackles. Um, and he was a midseason true freshman All-American by ESPN. So certainly someone to keep an eye on. Um, I think that when guys come across country, it's, it's hard. You know, I feel like it's a little bit harder to, to have confidence in them staying the whole four years, just because we know how, how hard it is to play super far from home, but certainly someone that I think Oregon should at least give a look to. Um, I'm, I'm sure that Dante probably is, is getting in some of the staff's ear and, um, trying to get them in touch with all the right people to see if this could be a potential option for Oregon on the, on the edge. Another question here. Some of the new linebacker enrollees have some speed. Do you think any crack the top two this season? Yeah, I think that uh, you're probably talking about Harrison Tagger and Devin Jackson. Uh, right now, I, I kind of feel more inclined to say that Tagger might be cracking the top two just because it seems like he has a little bit more of a college-ready frame. Um, that's no slight to Jackson. It's just kind of from what I've seen on, on the tape. If I had to, if I had to make an educated guess right now, I think I would say Taggart. Uh, but we don't know what Devin Jackson is going to look like. You know, by the end of the spring, he could be blowing people away. By the time fall camp comes around, he could be making a name for himself as 
as someone that's hard to keep off the field. But the, the top two is definitely more reasonable uh, rather than starting. I know that wasn't the question, but just because of the the depth that the Ducks have, it's particularly at the linebacker spot, I think it's going to be somewhere that's a little bit harder for the Ducks to to uh, a little bit harder for some of these younger guys to to crack the starting rotation uh, at the linebacker spot, whether it be edge, inside, or outside. So yeah, that was to get back to spring football real quick. That was the first thing that I was going to kind of have my eye on is how do these early enrollees look? How are they moving and and, and what have you? Uh, it's going to be a pretty limited viewing period tomorrow. So um, not sure exactly what we're going to get to see, but probably at the opening of practice. And then, you know, we'll be asking the coaches questions. Uh, I think we get Dan tomorrow. So it'll be fun to, to talk to him after his first, uh, talk to him for the first time after, after a practice, uh, you know, for, for me personally. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. How do the coaches interact with the players and the other coaches? I think that's another thing that I, I noticed when I was co- covering practices last season. And that was, it was very high energy, very quick pace, uh, fast paced. You know, we, we saw Cristobal that was going from, from station to station, working with uh, a lot of the offensive linemen, obviously, since that's his, his, that was his position group, but there was a lot of intensity there. So the, you know, kind of early rumblings about practice is, is that it's very fast and high energy. So kind of broad terms that you would expect to hear, but I want to see some of it for, for myself. What's the energy look like? They usually have music bumping and, um, and the, the players, you know, are pretty excited during stretching and, and, and warmups, what have you. So that kind of just goes along with what was the vibe kind of look like at practice. And then the other thing that I'm going to have an eye on is what do the quarterbacks look like? Obviously the, the quarterback competition is, is one of the centerpieces of spring football. A lot of people are, are finding, um, you know, which quarterback they want to they want to support the most. You got Bo Nix, Jay Butterfield, Ty Thompson, uh, AJ Abbott. A walk on is is also uh, here on the team, but it, it figures like it's probably going to be those three that are, are kind of vying for the competition. So I, I'm gonna I want to see what they look like throwing, depending on how far uh, along they get in practice. Just want to see them let it rip. I know from the pictures that Scott took the last time they had practices, Ty was looking pretty pretty cut up and in really good shape. Looks like he stayed in the weight room. So he looks like a, a pretty physically imposing player. So that's kind of some of the other things that, that I, I wanted to to keep an eye on for, for practice as we, we set the tone here with, with Oregon resuming practice tomorrow. Hmm, okay, this is an interesting question. What's our thinnest position group in your opinion? This is a tough one because I think it could kind of go two ways. I, I'd probably say cornerback. Um, I was going to throw running back up there just because there's not a lot of proven production there, but I think I'd think I think I'd say cornerback uh, the more I think about it. Christian Gonzalez definitely helps add some depth, but even he's not a super experienced guy, so he had some really good play at Colorado, but I think just as – uh, position group, you, you'd like to have more experience and more production because the Ducks don't have much of it after losing Mikel Wright and DJ James last year. Mikel Wright had an interception against Arizona, and then I was on the field when, when DJ James had his interception against UCLA that sealed the deal in a wild game at the Rose Bowl. So I'd say for, for me, the thinnest position group has to be the cornerbacks just because there's so much youth there. Losing Jalen Davies to the transfer portal certainly doesn't help at all. 
uh, with him going to UCLA. He wasn't a, a regular contributor, but it was still someone who had been here for a year, had, had been working with the Ducks and, and adjusting to the college game. But that, that room's wide open, super, super wide open. And I think Jaleel Florence's arrival is, is going to be something that helps elevate that group, push those guys forward. He's not going to be here in the in, in the spring, but I wanted to talk about Jaleel Tucker. Uh, I think I saw him running a, a, a 10-5, 10-6-meter uh, on Twitter with the, the first meet of the San Diego track season underway. And I was thinking about maybe writing a story about it, but the the reporter that was talking about it was saying that he's definitely the fastest player, the fastest guy in San Diego County, but he could very well have the case for the fastest guy in the entire state of California. I think that's great to hear, especially with USC getting Damani Jackson, who's super, super fast in his own right. So that's another guy that that the Ducks, I'm sure, are going to be seeing plenty of when, when they play each other. You can never have too much speed, and the the corners in particular are going to be really, really fast this year. Um, I think that we have to see where Kamari Terrell lines up. He was another guy that the Ducks signed in the 2022 class coming out of Texas that had a, a background in track as well. So he's someone to keep an eye on. But yeah, to, to answer this question, I think the thinnest position group has to be the corners with all the talent that they lost from a season ago. All right, another question. Uh, I think the two-week buy during spring practice is a first for Oregon. Is this unique overall? I see it as an advantage for players to work individually after initial instruction from a new coach. It's a good point to think about because Lighting was asked this after, I, th- I can't remember if it was the first or the second practice, but he was asked, you know, is, is that intentional that you baked in spring practice, spring break with spring practice? Uh, I thought one reason I thought this was good to, to start spring practice when they did is they were able to have a big recruiting weekend with spring football starting. So they, those recruits were able to, to see the players and the coaches in action, see what the vibes were like at practice. Uh, I think it is fairly unique overall. Lanning was talking about just it's uh, that two-way break. It's like, hey, we're kind of counting on you guys to, to you know stay on top of things and you know have some responsibility. Uh, kind of paraphrasing, but that's what I remember him saying from the press conference. I think it is unique overall because last year, if you remember, uh, Oregon Spring Ball was pretty much all of April. So we didn't see the, – the first practice was on March 10th, I think, for, for the Ducks this year. So – a little bit of a change and I'm, I'm just excited to get back out there because last year's spring practice was, was all covered over zoom. So we didn't get to be around anybody. We didn't get to see what these guys were like, how they carried themselves, what their personalities were like. So that's something that I'm, I'm super excited for, but it's an interesting perspective to take, you know, see how, uh, how players work out individually after initial instruction from a new coach, whether that be with Wilson love in the weight room, you got to think with him taking over, that's going to look a little bit different in the weight room, kind of how he wants to run things and, and how he advises these guys to, to work out by themselves. What kind of weight programs, training programs, nutrition programs do they get on? Uh, I think setting the tone early in that regard is, is also going to be beneficial. And then from their new position coaches, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of drill work, what kind of, uh, you know, t- uh, what kind of, uh, techniques can can they practice by themselves while they're while they're waiting to to get back to Eugene and and get that instruction under under these new coaches again so 
I think overall it is pretty unique. It's it's certainly not something that that strikes me as regular here at Oregon. But Lightning was talking about how it was intentional and, and how that it was something that they they uh, did on purpose. So we'll we'll see how these guys look after two weeks off. How fast do they they look? But really, we we I don't anticipate to see anything too groundbreaking just from what we've seen in the past at Oregon during the time that media is allowed to to watch practice. But either way, I'm, I'm super excited to, to get back out there. Uh, that's about all I have for you guys, unless you have any other questions here. Uh, if, you, if anybody wants to ask anything else before we hop off, uh, we're going to have a live show tomorrow uh, after practice. I'm not sure what time just yet. Uh, we get to watch practice in the morning and then um, – and then we're going to be talking to Dan Lanning after practice. And I'm going to be working on getting that, that, uh, that video up. I got a new camera, so knock on wood that that, that works properly. And, and that's going to be, I'm super excited to just get to tomorrow and debut this camera and, and just dive headfirst back into Oregon football. So that's all we have for this one, guys. If you guys are watching on YouTube, thank you so much for taking some time to hang with us. Appreciate you sticking around and tuning in for the live show. Only favor that we ask of you guys is just take some time and hit the subscribe button and smash the like button. It is a tremendous help. And then go ahead, I, wrong corner, hit the hit the notification bell uh, to make sure that you guys don't miss out on future videos, future podcasts, go live pretty often here. And uh, we always like to keep the viewer involved. So that's kind of all we have. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at mtaurussports. I always tweet out the live shows uh, with as much notice as I can, but the Ducks are back at it tomorrow as spring practice resumes in Eugene for the first spring under new head coach, Dan Lanning. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Take care. See you in the next one. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.